0: what's up y'all welcome to taking a deep breath stories of transitions and triumphs i'm your girl lavonna Floriel, and today is the first of many conversations reflecting on transitional stories much of life is how we move from one phase to the next so my goal with this podcast is to share the lessons of triumphs that can encourage us through this journey we call life. Life and the beauty of time has taught me that I am not alone in my struggles. And so join me as I welcome various guests who will share their stories too. So today, let's go ahead and get started with the first podcast of my personal journey. It's called, When It's Over. It is always our own self that we find at the end of the journey. The sooner we face that self, the better. Ella Maliart. So life is hard. I don't have to tell you because you've lived life too. And many of the most harrowing experiences I have faced is when I have to recognize that one specific chapter in my life is over and the journey to something new begins. You see, I'm a creature of habit, and I feel safe in what I call the known world. The predictable world gives me like a sense of um, comfort. It provides the safety that I feel in my mind. Knowing where I'm going, what I'm doing, how it's being done is all a part of that safety net for me. But I have gone through life where I've had some Indescribable fears that have gripped me, even paralyzed me, when I think of moving from what is my safe space to the riskier parts of my life where growth can occur. But hindsight has taught me so much in which I realize that sometimes I stifle my growth when I don't recognize when it's over. That when it's over moment is very important to move on to the next stages of your life. So it's been on my heart for about 25 years to write about specific moments, in particular this transitional period from when my athletic career ended to transitioning to this new part of my life which is unknown to me, which was being a wife, which was being a mother. And if really honest, if I'm honest with you, being a regular person, I had 20 years of high level competition and moving from that space of um, like on a mantle, so to speak, to just being an ordinary average person in my mind was a hard life adjustments. And so life and the beauty of time has taught me that I'm not alone in these struggles And so I wanna tell you a story of how I struggled during this moment. I would say it was about almost 35 years ago where I was really fortunate to have two wonderful parents who recognized my athletic ability. I remember very young, dad taking my brother Dwayne and I out to the parks and recs and just throwing us out there and say, hey, compete. And so we did. I mean, I did the standing long jump. I did the 50-yard dash. I think I did maybe even the shot put. And I won. And I think that there was something that my dad saw in the way I competed, even at that young age of probably about seven or eight. I was blessed to have parents who both were track and field enthusiasts. My dad started a track team back in the 70s for my brother and myself. Uh, my mother was heavily engrossed and involved in this development of the track team. And both of them came through a time frame in our country where, you know, in the 60s, we're at the the civil rights movement, we're at the end of, you know, Jim Crow laws, we're at the signing of, you know, voter uh, opportunities for voting for black people. Um, but they didn't have the same type of... Um, opportunities that I would eventually have. My dad went to an HBCU, Central State University in Wilberforce, Ohio, was a track and field athlete, was a band member, and got his education through that way. My mother, who grew up in Dayton, Ohio, went to the University of Dayton, um, track athlete as well, but didn't get a chance to fulfill her career. So it made sense that they would pour their energies of their passions into myself and my siblings. So I had a fantastic journey from youth athletics and being a many times youth athletic champion to making my way through high school and winning twice the state championships um, for my high school two years in a row, scoring all my team's points, bringing home the state title, and then going off to college and being a 14-time All-American and a four-time NCAA champion at the University of Tennessee. So as you can see through that journey, I have transitioned where I was always a feature. I didn't know that's what it was called in my mind, but I knew that what I had accomplished was something of value, and it allowed me to be able to go off to college and get my college education, as well as take myself to the next level in which I can become what is now known as a pro athlete. It wasn't called that in my day. You were just a post-collegiate athlete hoping that you can pick up a shoe contract that would help you pay for your bills. And I was fortunate enough to be able to do that. I made my first Olympic team in 1988. That was considered the Flojo Olympics. That's what I remember. And I love Florence. She was a wonderful, wonderful woman and would give me great advice. Um, At those Olympics, I did okay. I was in love. And I could only focus on the fact that I wasn't with this boyfriend and, you know, messing up my whole experience in terms of my mind not being where it needed to be. And I made it to the semi rounds of that Olympic Games, but that wasn't enough. So I'm in this journey of this next four years. And within this next four year span, some things didn't work out like it was supposed to, but I did make that 1992 Olympic team that was making its way to Barcelona, Spain. I remember walking into the Olympic Stadium. I remember during the opening ceremonies what it felt like to to really relish in the fact that here I am, a two-time Olympian, getting an opportunity to live out my dream of competing at Olympic Games Something that I had seen that I had watched on TV from the 1984 Olympics and watching my idol Benita Fitzgerald run in the same event that I was getting ready to compete in and win a gold medal. Or the stories that I had read about Wilma Rudolph and what she meant to our sport. Madeline Manning Mims, who I had a chance to meet at these Olympics in 1992, who was our first Olympic gold medalist in the women's 800 meters. I had this overwhelming sense of pride and excitement that I was going to get a chance to compete at these Olympic Games and maybe even live out my dream of being an Olympic medalist. Also, a side note at these Olympic Games, I was introduced to this wonderful man. And this guy from Canada who was just about as yummy looking (laughs) as you could imagine in my mind, I meet this guy, I feel something, I hear God talking to me, but I need to focus on what I came here at these games to do, which is to run in these Olympic games and run the best that I can. Well, I did. And at the end of those games, I walked away with an Olympic silver medal, which is second place, in the 100-meter hurdles at that um, Sol, um, excuse me Barcelona Olympics. Not only did I walk away with that medal I also fell in love and that guy I was telling you about is the person that I ended up marrying some five months later and we will celebrate our 30th wedding anniversary in January thank you (laughs) thank you so now I'm at the pinnacle of my career, at the mountaintop, um, excited. I've accomplished this goal. I come home, I'm treated as a heroine. I'm lauded as, you know, this is our local star. I um, am looked upon when I go out and run in other competitions thereafter because I kept competing. Lavana, I'm always introduced. Lavana, and in lane five, Lavana Martin. Olympic silver medalists. So I'm I'm on this high that I'm thinking I'm going to feel this same way my entire life. Well, that's not what happened. Life moves on. I love what Ruthie Bolton said in a piece that I saw on a 30 for 30. And she said, it's a bittersweet moment because when you step on the medal stand, you get a chance to have that feeling And then when you step off, it's over. And that's the part that's really difficult to figure out. How do you move through life when it's over? You see, I married this awesome guy and we go on this journey of deciding what our life is gonna look like. My husband, who at the time was just getting started with coaching, um, and he's a phenomenal coach one of the best coaches in the world as I speak. Um, But at that time he was getting started with his journey. I grew up in a coach's coach household. So I know the amount of time, energy, and effort that's required to be a coach. But I didn't know what that felt like being the wife of a coach. And so we go on this journey of, uh, of his career and I'm, trying to, you know, figure out in the inside, how do I feel about this? Because on one hand, of course, I grew up in a pretty strong Christian environment. I know what the word says in terms of the the roles that we have in our families. I definitely want to 100% support and encourage uh, my husband on, on this journey that we're on together. Um, and I... I'm struggling. <laughs> Honestly, I am struggling. And why am I struggling? Because now I'm no longer Lavana the important person in my mind. I'm no longer Lavana, the one who um, who is, I don't want to say respected, but Lavana who is looked upon as you've done something that is just like the most outstanding thing in your community. I'm now looked upon as your Lavana, the wife. Soon to be Lavanna the mother. Soon to be Lavanna the teacher. And oftentimes, all three of those um, roles require for me to give so much of myself. And sometimes you don't give back, get back as much of the accolades that I received as an athlete. And so I struggled for many years trying to replicate what, The feeling that I had as an athlete, um, that inner, what's the word, that inner, um, you know, like hand clap, I guess, to some degree in my heart that I wanted to feel important. And this is what I mean when I say it's really difficult, especially for athletes to transition from that high pedestal that the world puts, puts you on or that high pedestal that you put yourself on to coming down and recognizing it's just a moment. So I lived in angst for many years, trying to find my way, trying to find my place, trying to figure out how is it that I can have a sense of value. It would come in its go. Sometimes I feel, feel a particular way because my children made, brought me a sense of purpose. Sometimes I felt that felt valued because my husband, um, who worked really, really hard and put in and continues to put in a lot of hours, would validate me in various ways. Um, but we're a young couple. you know, at that time we were a young couple and we're still trying to figure our, our way out. Sometimes I would feel um, validated with who I was as a teacher. I felt that being a a teacher gave me that same sense. I always said it gave me the same high I had as an athlete because I loved um, impacting young people's lives. I still do. I love um, feeling that there was something I could say, there's something I can do, there was something that I can pour into a young person and I could see the results. That sounds just like an athlete, right? Pouring in and then seeing the results. But as time has taught me, I have realized that I have lived in a moment in the past. A friend of mine said to me that I needed to stop taking the current Lavana. And the current lessons that I was learning and stop using that to judge the past, Lavana. And that was a powerful, powerful statement for me. This was something that was said to me recently um, because I recognized I was living in the past. I was wanting the feelings that I had from the past in in that moment or in that present and it's, it was important for me as I continue to grow to learn to accept that portions of my life was over. Not that my life was over, but that portions of my life was over and there's safety in moving to the next phases of my life. So that's what this podcast is really about. It's really about finding our way as we transition to different phases in our life. And the plan is to utilize that with stories from myself and stories from others in the hopes that the journey of life would open up and that we could realize that life is all right no matter what stage it is that we're in. I'm really, really hoping that that's what we come out of this. I'm hoping that you would be encouraged, and I love to encourage myself, so I'm hoping that as we journey through this together, that I, too, will be encouraged. So I'm looking forward to journeying, and I'm hoping you are, too.